Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Maximum Octane. I have a guest today that just fascinates me in so many ways, Mr. Adam Kushner. He is the founder of a business actualization, which is a company that uh, really helps you get seen on, on, on the web and all those places that are important in rank. And um, from all of our members that that use you and the people that I know, they say that there's some kind of magic formula you have like they've never seen possible and have never in their life gotten too many things. But there's other things that fascinate me about you, Adam, as well. So welcome. Welcome to joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. And uh and as I mentioned, when we were offline, it's uh, it's a great thing that you have going with with the show or podcast, and I'm honored to be on it. Well, thank you so much. It's sure been fun. You know, it's I've been doing the other morning show that you've been joining me on for, I don't know, since COVID started. I think I'm getting near my 400th episode, but this is a different, different, different thing for sure. So, yeah. In addition, so a couple things that in addition to your business for business actualization and you are able to speak the geekiest geek talk with anybody computer person I know (laughs) you have a very other like fascinating life because I just found out that you went to culinary school that's not something that you usually kind of see or hear from people that are so knowledgeable about the inners and outs of like computers and online presence and all of those things so do you want to just Give me a smidge because I love cooking. So that just fascinated me. Another piece of you. Yeah, definitely. When I was uh, a lot younger, uh, there was a French restaurant in the town that I grew up in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really recall exactly how the path occurred uh, for me in getting a job there. But one of my first jobs outside of my family's automotive repair shop um, worked at a bike shop. Uh, when I was even younger than that, but started working at a a French restaurant. It was owned by the French guy and, uh, and had a really high level chef that was running the operation. And uh, he was just a genius with food. I learned so much from him, you know, not just about cooking, but, you know, about running a service business like that. And then from that, um, you know, decided that I was going to pursue a career in culinary and uh, went to the Culinary Institute of America. And, you know, I, I excelled in, in all the cooking classes and things like that. And then you go on an externship 
and went to work at a restaurant in the West Palm Beach area in Florida called the Top of the Tower. Well, actually, I started at the Boca Raton Resort and Club, and I was working banquets. And uh, one day they they let go one of the chefs at the top of the tower. And I think it was like a Friday afternoon. So they're calling down to all of the other kitchens on the property. And it was a resort. So, you know, many head chefs, you know, operating divisions on the resort. And uh, and my chef recommended me for the position. And, and at first it was a temporary, you know, kind of thing. But then I excelled at the job and stayed there. And I started making a lot of money and I was still pretty young and I was looking at the externship ending and going back to culinary school. And I said, well, I'm I'm making as much money now as I would, you know, by being a chef after graduating for, from culinary school. And, uh, and this was before like celebrity chefs and, and other paths, though that's not really my personality. (laughs) And, uh, and I didn't go back to culinary school. You know, I stayed there. And there's a much longer story and and path, you know, between uh, working at that restaurant as uh, one of the chefs on the line to to going back to my family's automotive repair shop. But maybe we'll save that for another time. Thank thank you for sharing. I just I that was something in all our conversations that I hadn't seen. I was like, wait, what? He went to corner? and that's one of the things that I so admire about you is because you are never afraid to try new things or something. Is I hate that term out of the box or different than the path you're supposed to be on or whatever. And, and you, you do that all the time and constantly look for what's the new way to do something, what's possible. How do we go forward? So another thing that fascinated uh, me about you was you competed in a pretty darn big competition, huh? Well, over the years, uh, (laughs) many of them, you know, from Ironman distance, uh, triathlon events, uh, to 50 mile running races. So in, uh, in that world, you know, just generalizing and calling it multi-sport. That's amazing. So if you guys ever see me running, I always tell everybody, you better haul, you know what, because there's like a clown or the knife, (laughs) or I see all those memes there, something is happening. So you better just hit the ground running. So that obviously, I mean, to compete a 50 miles, I can't even wrap my head around it. The Ironman, any of that. Obviously, there's an entirely different skill set mentally that you need to prepare besides the physical training and all of that. It's a big piece of that is your mind, right? Or maybe even a bigger piece than the physical part. It definitely is, you know, your mindset and and your mental capabilities and and your focus and motivation and just desire to to continue on, you know, especially when talking about something like a, a 50 mile running race where you know, the first time I did it, it was not very much fun. <laughs> and, you know, if I, I was thinking about this when I was swimming earlier today and get my workout in. And um, if you were to ask me how many times I, I ever wanted to quit, you know, whether it was a hard workout or a running event. But yeah, my first 50 miler was uh, was one of the times where it probably crossed my mind, you know, being in so much pain and just you know, pushing yourself to, to finish. I, I mean, it, it, there's had to have gone through your mind. Like I can't do this besides I'm in pain and I don't want to do this. There, there had to be moments that your head was, you told yourself the story of, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't continue on. And then something made you do that. So what big of a, how did you pre- prepare for this? Because I mean, 50 miles, 
50 mile running, you know, we have most business owners a hard time just creating a new process and implementing it with our internal customers. Right. And so let alone to get in the mindset of this is, you know, for the long haul, how, how did you start preparing for this? Well, one of the things, you know, that I kind of had on my mind to speak about today was the importance of coaches. And that's really, you know, where it started for me with a formal coach in multi-sport. And um, the, you know, the long-winded story is I was working at my family shop, just moved back from California where I was running a used car lot and uh, came back to help my family's business out and um, was not very happy to be in central Pennsylvania. Uh, after living in Santa Cruz, California, and um, a little bit of an adjustment, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely is. <laughs> um, yeah, but I uh, I was watching TV, and uh, and an Ironman race came on, and in that moment, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to do that. And I had always been a cyclist, you know, never really a a distance runner or a swimmer. So with that, you know, I knew I was going to need help. And someone to motivate me and to, you know, guide me on the path to be successful. And, you know, that's definitely where a coach comes into play and working with a coach. And, you know, there's so many parallels, I think, between endurance sports or just competitive sports in general and business. And we see it all the time, you know, especially in triathlon. You know, the joke that that I used to always say is, um, you know, when I was competitive racing that I had a window of time where I was going to be able to be very successful and competitive. And really what it comes down to is how old you are and you're in age groups. Um, so you're bracketed, you know, with, with all the guys that are within a certain age range. And I would look at, you know, the doctors and, and lawyers that are retired, you know, and, and 45 or 50 years old showing up to the race and, you know, they've got $10,000 bicycles, you know, now they have $10,000 wheels on their bicycles and, um, you know, all the gadgets and all the technology and, and you look at them show up and it's like, well, how am I going to compete with, you know, someone that can invest that much, you know, let alone when you're, you know, training for four or five hours a day and trying to have a career and a family to then compete against someone that, that that's what they get to do all day. They get to prepare for multi-sport. But, you know, going back to, you know, how do you prepare for it? I mean, it's a coach and a plan. And, you know, those guys that were successful in business and then are now circling back to athletics and sports, they were extremely successful, right? Because previously they were, you know, CEOs of companies and, and leaders of companies and business owners, you know, and brain surgeons and, and everything like that. So they were very successful just as they were in life when they applied that same skill set to sports. Part of that is the discipline, right? For yourself and to, to want to put in the work and to stay committed to it and to have that drive and, and self-discipline, right? Cause people can tell you all day long that you need to do something, but if you don't have that want and that desire and that dedication, it's not going to happen. So you know, I love that you brought up about a coach because I don't know of any very successful people in, in life, regardless of what industry, what business that doesn't have some kind of a coach, whether it's a physical coach, whether it's a business coach, whether it's a spiritual coach, what, whatever. But 
you know, to have that kind of, you want to get to the next level, right. To have somebody to partner with you and, and hold you accountable and give you things to think about and change your mindset, because we do a great job of self-sabotaging and, you know, making that narrative and telling that story that we can't do this or this is too hard or, you know, whether it's business, life, whatever. And a coach really helps bring you out of that, right? And gets you to set your sights on what's possible and what you can do. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I definitely think that's true. And, you know, I think in in many aspects of life, we see it, you know, if you're, if you isolate yourself and you think that you know everything and, and that, that you can do everything yourself, you know, as opposed to the person that, that looks for, you know, that collective group of support of peers and coaches and mentors and, and partners, it's a, you know, extremely important thing to surround yourself with successful people and to have that person that is your cheerleader, you know, to let you know that it's possible and, you know, to put a path in place for you to be successful. And, you know, I think in, in business in general, let alone automotive repair shops, I mean, that's, that's what we are as the leaders in our company, right? We are the coach and the mentor that is building that team. So to surround, surround yourself as a leader to be successful, even in that position, you know, it's even more important that you've got that, that peer group and that support group to help you, you know, lead your team. And that's such a great point, because I think that sometimes leaders and that are the coaches within their company, forget about that. Well, who's coaching the coach? Who's, who's giving them the inspiration, you know, who's, who's helping them walk through the plans and sometimes even role play or say, okay, you're going to have this important meeting tomorrow. Let's talk about, you know, how this can go. What are the possible scenarios? How will you respond to this situation or that and so on? And, you know, no matter how far you are up at the top, having a coach and somebody to partner with you on on these endeavors, it doesn't make you any less great of a leader or a coach yourself or anything else. It's, It's the smart thing to do. And as you said, it's surrounding yourself around people. So, I just want to, I'm trying to wrap my head around. I I don't think there was ever been a day that I was watching TV or on the couch or doing anything and said, you know, there's a commercial for a 50 mile (laughs) marathon and I'm going to do that. Or, uh, you know, Ironman, I'm going to do that. So the mental preparation. So you you have that, I'm going to do that, right? Which is sort of an easy thing. It's responsive. It's emotional. You see something, it triggers and you're like, hey, I'm going to do that. What, what's the next step though? Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you go from, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I want to do that to, to actually doing it. Well, I think accepting that, you know, depending on, on what the challenge is that you're taking on and your background and, and strengths on it, you know, accepting what your weaknesses are. And, you know, my weakness at that particular point in time is that I couldn't swim with my head below water. You know, I was never a high school swimmer. Like I never formally learned to swim. I would hike a hundred miles through the wilderness with a backpack on, but I never ran, you know, more than maybe five or seven miles, you know, so accepting that I'm going to need help to be successful at this. And that's an important first step, you know, acknowledging that. And then from there, you know, figuring out what the best path is to get the help that you need to be successful and starting to assemble 
that group or, you know, that bank of, of talent and inspiration and, and leadership that you're going to need and, and surrounding yourself with those people and those organizations. You need a team, right. For, for these things. And that's another thing that I think sometimes people, there's a disconnect having a team and surrounding themselves with those key people. They see it as a weakness. You know, if they go to someone else for a question or for advice or to say, Hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any ideas on, on how I can overcome it? They, the ego gets in the way. All right. And, and says like, Oh, you know, if you ask for help, that means you're, you don't know how to do it and you're dumb and you're not effective and so on. And so how do we get past the ego? How do we get past the ego of saying, you know what, I could do a lot of things really well. I need, I need some help in this area, or maybe I need to revisit. Maybe I'm not the best at this thing. And what can I do? Well, you know, looking at the automotive industry and where we are today compared to even just 20 years ago, it's amazing. And, and the industry as a whole would not be what it is today, you know, without podcasts like this or organizations like ATI to give, you know, business owners somewhere to turn to 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 get that guidance and inspiration and coaching you know looking back at at multi-sport right it's a an individual event you know while you're racing you're you're all by yourself you know there's no coming off of the field and and taking a break and you know yes when you're out there on the course you know maybe you're kind of alone you know you've got other racers that that it's a very positive community usually and um you know they're patting your back and and, you know, giving you props, you know, as you're racing or passing them, but it's not an individual sport. You know, I had a coach, you know, I had a, a massage therapist that was better than any doctor that I ever used, you know, for treating injuries and, and for helping me prevent them, you know, and then I had uh, nutritional coaching from a supplement company that I used. And, uh, I mean, just down to, to everyone that I trained with and, um, you know, a friend of mine, Ryan, that, you know, he would go on hundred mile bike rides, you know, in 45 degrees in the rain with me and just suffer through it. But, you know, many of those rides without, you know, my friend as my coach that was with me, you know, when you're by yourself in those conditions, it's a lot easier to, to not hold yourself accountable to finishing. And uh, in the automotive industry, having that, that, you know, shop owners are no longer isolated, that they don't have to let their ego and I think that, you know, the industry has made that possible, right? That ego doesn't have to be a blocker anymore, that we can ask for help, that it's okay to ask for help and to seek a 20 group or a mastermind group or a coaching company, you know, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, where were you going to turn for help? Because we didn't have that, the networking that we have today. No, we didn't. We didn't. It was all silos and just hundreds of thousands of individual businesses and even people on the same street, you know, and with the same in the same town, yeah. you know, of shops wouldn't talk to each other because it's like, oh, they're in the competition. I'm not, yeah. you know, speaking to them or I'm, I'm not going to lend them a tool because they might, you know, steal a, a customer. And it, it really hurt our industry for a very long time, all those silos we created. And Sadly, there's still a good bunch of it, but there's there's so many places to turn in so much training on on many levels and not just for technicians anymore. You know, it's it's for your service advisors, it's for your leadership, it's for managers, it's for 
how your shuttle driver, you know, should, should speak to your internal customers. I mean, there's training for everything and, and coaching for all of it. And it's, it's so wonderful to see uh, because, you know, there's a lot of fabulous people in this industry and um, people work really hard. And it's also one of the few businesses I think that is left in, in the, in the country that are really like handed down, you know, that your work at your parents' business or your grandparents or, you know, relatives and that it's still family owned and going generation to generation. I mean, there's a lot of kids not wanting to own an automotive repair shop anymore, but there's still that kind of Americana apple pie. Here's the, you know, from one generation to the next and, and passing it down. So it's great to see, as they're coming through the ranks now of, of people having different ideas and reaching out. So in your, in your Ironman competition or your 50 mile, what, what are some of the things you told yourself when you were like, man, I, I just, I can't take another step. I can't swim another stroke. I can't, what did you do to keep going? Well, you know, self-talk and motivating yourself internally is an extremely important thing you know, having, having mantras that you repeat to yourself and, uh, and in business also, right. You know, sometimes it's stopping to think about what your next step should be before you just act and planning it through, but, you know, self-motivating and just putting, you know, those internal practices in place is, is just an extremely important thing. And I mean, it's from, from waking up in the morning and making the decision to exercise and then forcing yourself to do it and holding yourself accountable and having other people that hold you accountable to it as well is, is a really important thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, self-talk and, and mantras. And I, you know, I remember an article that I read when I was a kid in a a bicycling magazine and I always hated going up hills. I think a lot of people still do, right. Riding a bicycle up a hill. And this guy in the article, he talked about, we just have to imagine that you you throw a lasso around a tree further up the hill and then you imagine you're pulling yourself towards that tree and then when you get to that tree you just imagine the same thing you know that you throw a lasso around the next tree and you play these games with yourself you know i do it when i swim i feel like i'm a a hamster in a 25 yard pool it's it's one of my least favorite things to do to swim in a pool as opposed to open water and um, you play games with yourself and it's like, okay, just five more laps. Like I'm just going to swim five more laps or, you know, I'm not going to look at my watch. You know, I'm just going to keep swimming and I'm not going to look at my watch to see how many laps I have left or how much time I have left. And you just, you know, you, you just keep playing those mental games with yourself to push yourself forward and to motivate yourself. I love it. There's so many quotes and things on, you know, if you, if you tell yourself you can, you're right. If you tell yourself you can't, you're right as well. Right. And we, we write these stories about what we're capable of. And I did it right in the beginning of this with like, I could never run 50 miles. Um, We tell ourselves these stories, we craft them and we wrap a bow on them and we just fit everything nicely into these things of, you know, we, we decide that we can't do and we're for, for whatever reason. So I think it's just incredible when anybody does anything such as you did, and it doesn't have to be a, a marathon or, you know, Ironman, but any goal or any dream, right. And it's about in, in our world, we call that perceptual, perceptual coaching, right. And, you know, imagining what's possible and picture what it is that you want and and how can you keep doing it? And 
I love that about pulling the, 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 around the tree and doing the lasso, right? Because what a great vision that is to, to picture that and say, okay, that's how I'm doing it. And all of that. So with all of this, what do you think the biggest thing that you learned about yourself with these competitions and things? I mean, obviously you're like very brilliant. I mean, you are, you are very intelligent. You are extremely well-rounded. You have a lot of different interests that I think keeps you sort of grounded and and you're a a dad that just, you know, adores being a dad. Right. And so there's, there's a lot of things that you've learned in life and gone that, but what did you learn the most about yourself with this whole journey on doing the 50 mile thing run, doing the Ironman and all of those extreme competitions? Well, I think to, to know your strengths, and to know what your weaknesses are and to capitalize on both of them. Going back to swimming, you know, starting out uh, training for Ironman and not even really knowing how to swim properly because I was never formally trained on on swimming. Did your parents do like mine did when we were like babies and just throw you in the pool and know that you're <laughs> going to start? That's how well, I, I mean, learned I can, it. <laughs> I can swim, right? Like I, I grew up on a boat, you know, for most of my life and, and I've done a lot of surfing but to, to race, you know, and to be fast at swimming, you know, that was not my strength when I first started out, you know, I'd get out of the water in a race towards the very back of the pack. Like it's like embarrassing almost, you know, and then capitalizing on that and knowing it's something that I had to put a lot of focus on and then putting a plan in place for that. And then, uh, you know, again, like knowing your strengths and weaknesses, like Ironman distance was not my strength. You know, I knew if I wanted to be competitive. And if I wanted to be on the podium, that it was going to be a long path for Ironman distance for me. So I, I kind of honed in on Olympic distance triathlon, you know, a shorter event, but not necessarily easier because it's faster. You're going faster the entire time. And then as I, I started to be successful at that, I mean, I was the guy that was getting out of the water first during those races and, you know, transformed myself as a swimmer and capitalized on that weakness and, and turned it into a strength. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to say something about visualization when he started to bring that up, because that's so important in everything in visualizing what success looks like for you. And, you know, that's where Olympic distance came from. And, and it was very successful for me. You know, I qualified for age group national championships twice, you know, was, was winning, regional events that I was racing at. And, and that's what success looked like to me. And that's what, you know, my strength of a distance was, and it allowed me to focus in on those weaknesses and each individual you know, aspect of the, the event. I'm glad that you shared that part. And especially about, you know, knowing what, what does that look like for me? And so many times people set goals that they don't really know what they are, you know, it's, it's a, something they say in a fleeting moment, or, you know, even if it's something as I want to buy a house. And so what does that house look like? What kind of, you know, landscaping will it have? How many rooms will it have? What color will your living room be? And so on. And I think we don't think about what does that look like? So some people are continually chasing and going because they don't have a set goal. You know, how do I know when I achieve this? Right. And, you may want to then go to the next level, but you have to give yourself 
sort of check-ins and to say, you know, I want to win these things. I want to be the first out of the pool. You know, I'm going to know I hit this goal when I'm the first one to get out of the pool now instead of the last, right? And so what would you say kind of in, in wrapping up to, to people that are just sort of doing their thing, they're living life, they're successful. You're very successful. You have a great mind. You are physically fit, obviously. You have a wonderful business. You have a great family. You've done so many different things and achieve so many things. Why should somebody keep going and not just stop there and say, well, I did that, then they're done that. You know, what, what's the importance of reaching for more? Well, I mean, I guess I would say what success is, is different to everyone. And, you know, looking at automotive repair shops, right? For, for some people, one shop is enough and growing one location and and one team and and one business and one community, you know, that's enough for some people and some people, you know, want to go multi-store and, and just continue to grow and never stop growing. And, and I think it's important in life in general to accept that, you know, it's not a thing of putting people on levels or being judgmental or anything like that, that success is different to everyone. Absolutely. And uh, in, uh, in cycling, Um, There's something that I learned pretty early on, you know, when you're passing someone on the road and they're going so slow and it's like, man, like, am I going fast? Like, why am I passing them? (laughs) Or, you know, they must be out of shape or they must not be a strong cyclist. And, and all of those thoughts are ridiculous because you have no idea how many miles that person has in their legs. You know, they could have just rode a hundred miles to be where they were when you passed them, or they could have rode a hundred miles yesterday that you have no idea you know, where they are in life and to not, to not judge, you know, to accept that everybody has a different, is at a different place in life, you know, on their path. And, and then back to everyone has a different vision of what success is. And I think it's just a, you know, that's a really important thing. And, and for yourself, you know, making sure that you define that, that you're not just head down, living every day in the moment and, and doing what you do that, that you're looking at, what is the end goal? for what I'm trying to accomplish. And, uh, and that's really important as being a, a leader in your organization to have that type of vision because you're helping to create that path of success for your employees and your team. Absolutely, absolutely. And there, there has to be those check-ins and there has to be the, is this where I wanna be? And, you know, but there's gotta be some maintenance to it too, right? Like a lot of times with businesses, athletes, whatever, you know, they're happy at the level they're at, but then they're not doing anything to maintain, to stay at that level. So the, you know, verbally they're saying, this is, I'm happy where we are. I've reached what I wanted to reach. And then they sort of let, you know, take their foot off the gas or whatever analogy you want to use and start sliding backwards. And there's still maintenance, right. That has to kind of go along with, I've achieved this and this is where I want to be. This is my dream. This is my vision of success, but then how do we maintain that? Right. There's still, you got to still tell yourself that I can do it. And you still have to have those goals, right. Of, of here's how I stay where I'm at. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and I don't think there is any staying where you're at, right. If, you know, even if you've reached that, that vision of success of, of your business or, or in life as to where you want to be, then it's important, I think, to move on to the next thing and, and to have those next things support, you know, the sustaining of, of what you've built and what you've accomplished. And whether that's, you know, internally within your company, you know, in being that coach and mentor 
and and leader, you know, or outside of your company and starting to give back in your community. And and we see that all the time with with shop owners, you know, from leading STEM courses and in, in their communities um, or inviting Boy Scout troops in and and inspiring, you know, other people around us. Oh, gosh, I, you know, I've seen our shop owners do some amazing things for years, but in the past, I don't know how many years has COVID been going on. I hate to even be mentioning it, but the, the things that they did for community outreach and to help other people and help other businesses stay open and really focus on the community and, and truly become the servant leaders that many people had the vision that they wanted to be or thought that they were. And then boy, when they were put to the test, they, they sure rose to the challenge and have continued on so many of these wonderful things. So thank you so much for joining me. Any final words you want for our listeners you want to leave them with? Oh, geez. Well, uh, to comment on, on your compliment of, uh, of being in shape, you know, it's a sustaining thing. Right. And I mean, when I was racing though, though it's sickly to say, I mean, I was probably 40 pounds lighter than I am right now. And, uh, and that's what my vision of of success was right. I just got to say though, even though everybody can't see you right now, there is no one in the world that would look at you and be like, okay, there needs to be 40 pounds. But so go ahead. (laughs) I Talk about visualization there. If you looked at Adam right now and saw him, you would be like, he's in perfect physical condition. So you were 40 pounds less, you said. And well, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Sorry. For final words, but I, I wanted to make that comment to, to rebuttal you, but you know, I, I think final words are just surrounding yourself with coaches and, you know, in my life, yes, yes, yes. You know, what my coaches are, right? Like it doesn't have to be that formal coach role. I mean, my coaches are everything from my everyday positivity podcast, you know, snippet on my flash briefing, you know, to our clients and, uh, and the feedback and the support and, and the vision that they have and that they lend to us. It's, you know, your coaches are everywhere in life and, and just continuing to surround yourself and to find, you know, that inspiration and and leadership to push you forward. Well said, well said. Thank you so much for joining me and everybody stay safe, make good choices. And I will uh, be back next week. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.